0: I gotta say, um, I, I I am getting a fair amount of work done. Uh, you know, this, today is the ending of a, of a saga in my life that I'd say has been going on for the better part, maybe even more than 10 years, because today- 10 years, is,
1: Will, 10 years, wow.
0: Because today is the first time in my life that I've ever beaten the PlayStation 2 video game, Okami.
1: It's, I, I, I'm to understand that it's quite the undertaking.
0: God, it's so long. It, I mean, you know what? It's not as long. It's not even there are so many so much longer video games out there. It took me about 30 hours, but it's st- it felt long. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a lot of stuff in there that's really extended the length. or I, At least made me feel the length.
1: I too completed a uh, uh, a long intended goal, which was I watched Risky Business over the weekend. I'd never seen oh, it before. really? Yeah.
0: Okay. And what'd you think?
1: I, I I really liked it. It's way darker than I thought it was going to be.
0: Mm. Um, I it's not all it's not I, uh, all Tom Cruise in his underwear.
1: No, I expected to be like some kind of like John Hughes style, you know, cheeky romp. But it's actually it's pretty self serious, which I was into.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. You know what? I other than that infamous scene i have no idea what to expect from it so i mean hey we're we're answering a lot of questions here that we maybe wouldn't have the time to answer before uh both on elwood city limits and in the lives of the two hosts of the show that being will young and lucas mancini
1: you know you know what they say um when uh shakespeare was locked up due to the plague he wrote king lear you're beating okami and i'm watching 80s movies heck yeah (laughs)
0: And I uh, got my eyes on the Uncharted games next. I'm going to play through those again.
1: That's right. I'm finally going to finish
0: Dune. Yeah, oh, you, you, you didn't finish it?
1: I, I, I got really busy with work, and then I like I completely stopped reading it for like two months. But now with all the hustle and bustle and hullabaloo about those Vanity Fair pictures, you know, Timothy Chalamet, Oscar Isaac, all that jazz, uh, I picked it back up again.
0: Just because you've now taken on status in my life, at least as number one Dune stand, so That's I figured right. you you had to have read the book.
1: Well, I, I mean, I'm in the in the process of reading the book, and it's very good, and I like talking about it. But no, I've not yet uh, seen it to completion.
0: Right on. Hey, patrons, you should ask Lucas about any uh, thoughts that you have about Dune as mm. uh, he makes his way through it. That's a great way to do it. Must say that um, uh, speaking of ta- of talking to patrons and listeners alike, uh, you may have seen this week on our social media that we kind of uh, asked you how you feel about certain discussions about topics on the show. And we want to say thank you for your engagement and for giving us... Uh, uh, sincere and thoughtful responses. So thank you very much. And I hope everybody is doing well and dandy, but also on social media, something was brought to my attention, at least that I had to bring to everybody's attention. Uh, let's just say an, uh, cameo and Arthur that I don't think any of us saw coming.
1: Oh, oh my goodness gracious. Yeah. I literally, I'm glad that we're talking about this. I jumped out of my chair. When I came across <laughs> this, this is crazy. How, so, how
0: did you come across it?
1: Someone actually, um, it, it didn't come from an Arthur Twitter. Um, surprising enough, it actually came from like leftist Twitter. Um, but it's a screen. It's a real. I looked it up. I verified it. It is a real uh, screenshot in the the Arthur wiki. So, for those of you who don't follow me on Twitter or don't follow the ECL account, um, Mao, uh, uh, Chairman Mao. Uh, existed in the Arthur universe. And, and the proof mm-hmm. we have for this is in the episode uh, Swellen's Goose Gets Cooked, um, when they're competing in Confuse the Goose, um, Sun Tzu... I forget the uh, the number. It's like,
0: Sun, Sun Tzu 49.
1: Yes, Sun Tzu 49, the like champion Confuse the Goose player. When we finally see them, uh, the, like briefly, uh, if you take a close look in the back of the room, there is a portrait of Chairman Mao, um, which is... This opens up a whole big gambit of questions, um, previously unforeseen. So, you know, me and you, we've been waxing poetic about the animal hierarchy and, and yeah, really yeah. like asking the big questions, but now, uh, and I just, Chairman Mao existed in the Arthur universe, which is to say that, you know, the Great Leap Forward happened in the Arthur universe. Uh, the Chinese Communist Party happened in the Arthur universe. Uh, a whole and and, and that as, begs a question: What other historical figures also existed in the Arthur universe? Much to think about. There's uh, sweeping implications because of this one uh, Arthur Wikia entry.
0: Yes, and I mean we have had other cameos that are a bit more, uh, let's say, common. Like we know that Abraham Lincoln existed. We know that um, you know I'd say various. American pieces of American history have existed on Arthur but Ma, but Mao was uh wow who man that it, came out of nowhere
1: in case you were wondering what animal chairman Mao was the Arthur wiki states he is a bear
0: hmm all right that's pretty that's pretty safe I think the ba- bear is usually one of the ones that uh that you that you give to someone and you're just like yeah all right alright. That, that that works pretty well someone so, where <laughs> you're
1: like put the ears on him
0: yeah just give me give him the ears give him the ears uh, so, yeah, that was that uh, kind of blew my hair back, too. And of course, you should be following us on social media for stuff like that. And you should also be uh, like some of our great listeners who sent us emails to elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. So, we have one here. I believe this is, uh, pardon me, Martin. Uh, I believe Martin is a first, is a longtime listener, first time emailer. And who says? With everything going on in the world during this pandemic, it makes me think back on the topical episodes and specials that Arthur was known for that we could use in these trying times, like April 13th and the blizzard, that had to do with how a regular everyday community deals with and works to get through crises, whether together or shown how said crises affect members of each community in different experiences. Would both of you say, as I would, That it would be a nice idea for PBS and the people behind the scenes at Arthur to make another hour-long special dealing with the pandemic that's going on right now. Well, it's interesting you say that, Martin. I believe uh, it was also Christine Cody, a former guest on the show, who said something similar about that. Now, I don't think that we would be getting this pandemic special anytime soon if it were to happen at all. But I like that Martin brought up the episodes that have kind of done this before, specifically the Blizzard. I think that might be due for a rewatch, especially with the idea behind community spirit. Do you think that this is something that and and maybe not even Arthur, but do you think that this is something that a lot of uh, modern television is going to be able to touch once? production goes back to what it was before or close enough.
1: Well, so that's the key thing, right? Is I think um especially with children's television and how much of it is is animated is kind of hamstrung by the fact that um, the animation process takes so long, uh, unless you're like South Park or something, right? So for Arthur to kind of do something ripped from the headlines, and with, with COVID, um, the situation is kind of ongoing and changing every day. You know, we went from saying don't wear masks to now saying wearing a mask. So mm. to especially for an educational TV show that's trying to kind of inform, uh, it's kind of touch and go to be able to, Planned so far in advance or at least as far in, in advance as required to produce an animated episode um but i do think that there is an opportunity where after it's over um whenever that may be um mm. to kind of sort of uh uh help decompress and and uh work through those feelings uh, that you might have experienced during it. So kind of similar to uh, the the fire episode um, was talking about you know, working through trauma well after the fact, right? It's kind of a 9/11 analogy, but the episode came out in 2002. So there might be a, an episode um, in the future where Arthur could possibly tackle COVID, but certainly not while it's ongoing. um, And not because I don't think Arthur could handle it, just because I think um, sort of the process of animation makes it impossible without having some sort of factually incorrect information or something like that in there.
0: And I think this is also going to take a lot of time for us to process as just human beings. So in order to really say something, uh, meaningful about it. It's going to take some time. It's. I certainly. I certainly hope so. But maybe not as soon as we would like. We also have an email here from Lion ZXA who wants to first say thank you, guys, for the podcast, especially right now. You're very welcome. About A is for angry. I personally relate to Arthur. Throughout my life, it feels like everyone piles so much pressure on me and praises me for such minuscule things. If I was in Arthur's position, I'd probably react similarly. I feel like Arthur should have talked to Brain about their struggles with pressure, and the others could have made up off-screen. Now that, that might have been a far more interesting second half of that episode. In the previous episode, you guys talked about potential Arthur spin-offs. Well, I've got a spin-off idea I'm sure you guys will love. Walters and Baxter, ECPD, a buddy cop series starring Fern and Buster solving mysteries around the town, such as who stole Arthur's comics or how an embarrassing video of Binky was released online. Just like in the Binky Rules episode, Fern's character is more Holmes-inspired, while Buster's more noir-inspired. Brain could also be the tech guy who represents modern investigation shows. I love this idea. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think this is great. Private this investigators, is, this is wonderful. Um, this money. Yes. Um, how do we get Arthur involved somehow? Hmm. Oh,
0: you could maybe, maybe you could even do a joke of like everything happens to Arthur in like every episode. Maybe Arthur could be like the B.D. Wong role. He's like the criminal profiler. Ooh, yeah. Or he could be in like the archives.
1: You know, the guy loves to read.
0: Yeah, yeah. Someone like that. Somebody who's behind the scenes but uh, is seen uh, in most episodes. So yes, I think we both are big fan of this idea. One more thing. Last night I got hit. I got hit with a truckload of nostalgia when I came across a compilation of Chuck E. Cheese PBS Kids adverts. Do you guys have any memories of the ads before PBS shows? Oh my goodness, yes, because they were part of the part. Of, they were part of the ritual. So there's a lot of them that I remember. So of course there's like um, the Froot Loops was one that they did a lot of. Um, Juicy Juice. Um, and it's like if I can if I can close my eyes and really try. It's like. And by a grant for the U.S. Department of Education through the Public Broadcasting Service, Ooh, and for good. viewers like you, yeah, that it's just I have to just let it flow back like a river. So yes, I do, and I know exactly what you mean. There were Chuck E. Cheese ones as well. I I remember, I
1: remember the Chuck E. Cheese ones because I remember whenever my parents would go to like Maine or something on vacation, I would demand that we go to a Chuck E. Cheese, and we never did um, because that was like the biggest as as a child, as someone in single digits, I feel like that was the biggest piece of American culture I felt left out on was Chuck E. Cheese. It seemed so dang fun from the PBS commercials. But I'm happy to say some of the food ones, like Juicy Juice and stuff like that, maybe I'm just, as a child, impervious to advertising, but I I don't really (laughs) recall any of those besides the viewers like you. Of course, that has a special place in my heart.
0: Somehow I doubt it. I don't think any of us were immune to advertising (laughs) as kids. No, certainly not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you very much for your emails at limits at gmail.com. And speaking of thanks, we've got some more to spread around because we have our patrons to thank, including... it's uh, Lucas, it's time to play Spot the New Patron. Ooh, Are you ready? I'm, this is the game I'm the worst at. So let's give it a shot. Okay, so... We're starting off our patrons, thanks, with Aaron DeFilippo, Alex, Andrew Power, Caitlin Harrington, Chandra LaFave-Boten, Christine Liscote, Christine Wong, Sierra S, Dan, Mike Dawson-Silva, EJ Acra... Is that the new one? Emily... That's the new one. Yes.
1: <laughs> I feel like your inflection changes, so it's cheating I mean, a little bit, yeah, but we, uh, I'll take
0: it. Like, the, la- the last two times we tried this, it's been like, I tried to make it a bit obvious and it didn't work, so now I'm really... Uh, um, oh, listen. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we've got Emily K and Froppy we've got Greg Huy, I, I appreciate you putting the training Ian wheels Collis, on for me. Jake Bailey, Joe Sue, John DeLong John Griswold, Josias Melendez Kat, Kalen Krogull, Kevin Noon and Kristen Leanne S, Light Relentless Lily Warden, Macy Ball, Marlo Stanfield and Matt Melissa <laughs> I'm sorry, Melissa, I feel like you're the one I come to and then I'm like, I have to just click something so I can see your full name and move the Skype window out of the way. Melissa Avelez Milan, Michaela Gibson, Pretty Cool Stairs, Rachel Pearson, Riley Stevens, Shayna Bennett, Shelby Eden, Dawkins Law, Stella, Teresa, William, and Yoshi. Thanks, everybody. Uh, We're 40 patrons strong and everybody seems to be enjoying our new Patreon show, which we'll talk about more at the end of the episode. But now I think it's high time we talk about some Arthur, and we're starting it off with the A-Team. So A, we found out that A was for Angry, and now it's the A-Team, not the Ed Sheeran song.
1: That's right. Not the Ed Sheeran song, not the 80s show, um, not the remake with Bradley Cooper. Um...
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. They were on on Monday Night Raw. (laughs) Wait, really? Yeah. Liam Neeson, too? Who was it? Oh. No, it was... It was Rampage. It was Charlton Copley, and I believe it was Bradley. Cooper. Oh wow!
1: I remember that movie being at okay. the time. Yeah,
0: I that's that's what I heard as well. But I never. It's never It's really on, it's on TV it, all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we're talking about the A team. This is another soccer episode, um, and right away from the cold open. This has been kind of a theme so far in this season. Of going back into well-worn territory because Francine and Brain are on the Lakewood soccer team and they're trying their best to play, but Francine is viewing the team okay. as literal clowns. So we got to talk about this. Well,
1: every of once in a while, um, something will happen IRL in real life, and then the next week we'll watch an episode of Arthur, and I'll be like, "This is uncanny." how much yeah. this is reflecting what's happening yeah, in my, my real life, right? This has happened numerous times in the years we've been doing this show. So uh, people who follow me on Twitter would have noticed that I had my quarantine epiphany um, either last week, I think, uh, where I was talking about everyone on Earth fits into three categories. Everyone our age, at least. this It, it does not cross uh, uh, generational lines, but everyone our age is either a cowboy
0: Mm. a clown yes
1: or both hence a, a rodeo clown
0: oh i remember this yes, yes. and i, yeah. so I believe you, i i believe i identified myself as a cowboy
1: as a cowboy now to, everyone's energy is to varying degrees right like some people are more overtly one than others like my friend michael literally dresses like a cowboy in public like he's like a hangman page he's got the bolo tie everything of course he's got oh, the cowboy what a, ca- what a cowboy to be what a cowboy to be exceed um but everyone, even your most kind of just normal-looking guy, he's either got a little bit of cowboy energy or a little bit of clown energy. I, myself, you know, I would love to be a cowboy, Will. Personally, I would love to fancy myself as a cowboy. I aspire to be a cowboy. I think I like cowboys more. But yeah. I know myself, Will, and I have clown energy. It's just the truth. Uh, you take one look at me, you're like, that guy's a clown, okay? <laughs> um, so... You could put really everybody on earth, again, who's our age. Boomers kind of break this cycle as well as I think maybe younger people. I'm not sure. But everyone our age uh, could be put into one of these three categories. So I've been thinking a lot about clowns lately. Okay. okay. Cl- clowns keep, they seem to keep coming up. Um, I feel like uh, a lot of men in my life are getting way into cowboys, and a lot of women in my life are getting way into clowns. Like, clowns are like a big thing on. TikTok and like Montreal Instagram, you see a lot of clown content. Um, you do? Uh, this
0: is
1: yeah. Uh, you you kind of like artsy girls in Montreal. They seem to they have this thing for clowns. Anyway, all that aside, and that's a big generalization, by the way. Not of course not every girl in Montreal is into clowns. I'm just saying. I've I've seen the trends on Instagram, and so oh. much to my surprise, we start up this Arthur episode, and within seconds of the theme song ending, Francine is picturing her entire soccer team turning turning into clowns, like a metamorphosis. Yes. Uh, like, what was that movie where the guy turned into a clown? You know what I'm talking about? Like, literally, like, uh, his nose turned into a clown nose. There was, like, um,
0: that. It was, like, some weird independent horror movie, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that movie's weird. Anyway, so, like, Animorph
1: style, everyone on her team turns into clowns, and I was just like, this is another one of those times where Arthur's getting too real.
0: <laughs> Arthur imitates life. Yes. I mean, thankfully, it's not as like dra- dramatic as, as, a, as an Animorphs transformation. It's just like one moment they're clowns, one moment they're not. Right. But yes, it is uh, quite dramatic. Everyone but Brain and Francine is see- seen as a clown because – They um, they're not taking things as seriously as Brain or Francine, and they uh, aren't as good at soccer as them, which Arthur admits is is kind of true in the sense that they don't take it as seriously as them. And part of the thing after the cold open is that we find out that, you know, Mr. Crosswire has gotten better as a coach but is still very much a soft hand so he's trying to get them to do the eyes on the ball drill which brain and francine are well beyond like we see them they're they're both skillful athletes
1: yeah and and good continuity with mr crosswire still being the coach i enjoyed that
0: yeah i also liked arthur's keeper gloves whenever this this brought back memories of when i played soccer at their age i never got to wear goalie gloves um, so they kind of realized brain and Francine that this is kind of, this is kind of the small leagues for them. And they would really like somewhere that they would be able to, uh, cut loose a little bit more. So Francine, just by chance, meets up with this girl. I don't think she gets a name.
1: No, a new character alert, but we don't really get a lot of context for who this is. She's just from the Elwood City Limits All-Star. The- Elwood City Limits. The, El- <laughs> the Elwood City. You people out there are the Elwood City Limits All-Stars. Uh, but no, the-, the Elwood City All-Stars, uh, which is like a regional team that, that travels and competes abroad.
0: Well, it's funny you say that because when she said Elwood City All-Stars, I was like, that would have been a great name for the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, Francine gets the idea of joining the Elwood City All-Stars. I almost said Elwood City Limits All-Stars, too. Um, because she noticed, that she noticed them playing, her and Brain. And Francine has this, like, dream sequence where, you ever see the movie Shaolin Soccer?
1: I have not seen the movie Shaolin Sha- Soccer, Enlighten Me.
0: Well, okay. Admittedly, I haven't either. I've only seen clips of it, but basically, it's like a martial arts movie that's based around soccer. It kind of it kind of uh, hit hit shores around this time. It was right around the time of like you know your Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, uh, Hero, all of those like Chinese martial arts movies. And so this was one that um, there's another. There was another movie that's similar to it that kind of came out around the same time. But I'm I'm blanking on it anyway. The, it's it's basically you know Francine and Brain playing on the All Stars and then doing them doing like these amazing martial arts style moves like Francine like does the Matrix thing oh. where she like goes <laughs> up in the air does the crane pose and then kicks it into the goal.
1: Heck yeah!
0: So, so that's what kind of reminded me. I wonder if that was on somebody's mind when they were making it. Uh so yeah, they decide to try out four the all-stars and it's really it's a really tough tryout they're really pushed to their limits and we see the coach the coach's name i i forgot to write it down okay yeah
1: we got to talk about this brock lesnar looking guy
0: dude he is a meat tube
1: yeah this guy's pretty diesel this guy's looking uh yeah (laughs) yoked yeah yoked indeed he's he straight up does have the brock
0: lesnar haircut um and it really is like when I say meat tube, it's like you put the meat in the top part of him and then there's like nothing down below. Is this
1: um, the most bulked up Arthur character we've seen to this point? I, You know, we've seen wrestling in Arthur. We, I don't know if we've ever seen bodybuilding in Arthur. But yeah, is this guy on the scale from, who's the least yoked Arthur character? Uh, what's, that, what's that guy in DW's class's name? Aloysius Zimmerplots no yes okay i was thinking of the guy with the glasses oh james james but actually i like it better that it's Aloysius. is if we make if we say that Aloysius Zimmer plots has the lowest power level of any arthur character <laughs> um, he can't even
0: he can't even fit his own name on the page does does the co- does the coach
1: or or even better that kid that you don't like that's in the the um the, the, oh, the r- Mrs. Fink kid. Yeah, yeah the Mrs. Th- Fink kid and Aloysius Zimmerplot's tied for the lowest power level. <laughs> Does the uh, coach of the Elwood City Limits All-Stars have the highest power level that we've seen thus far?
0: He might. I'm also thinking like there's been a every time they've cut to professional wrestling, those guys are got yeah. a real steroid B- body. Biotic on. B-
1: Biotic Buddy's pretty, you know, he's in good shape as he,
0: well. Yeah, he's he's very like built like the classic Superman. So very much like although it's covered by a lot of you know clothing. Let's say it's he is very very yoked.
1: I I, I think this is a good one for the listeners. Let us know. Uh, are we forgetting somewhat obvious who let's talk about who have the best physiques in Arthur
0: Dark Bunny too
1: yeah Dark Bunny Dark Bunny's got that slender you know he, he's got a, a functional physique like a like a MMA fighter but a, in like a lower weight class you know what I mean oh like a, yeah like a 150 one, a 150 pounder like an MMA lightweight not an ounce of body fat on Dark Bunny's body he's he's made for performance
0: exactly uh, so after these tough tryouts, to which the coach says that they'll let him know, uh, Francine and Brain are accepted to the team, and they let everybody at the, at the Sugar Bowl know, but unfortunately they have to admit that if they're going to be on the All-Star team, they're not going to be on the Lakewood team. I got to say, I did not like their jersey, the All-Star jersey. I did not like it.
1: No, it's true. As someone who, uh, you know, sometimes, depending on the sport, I like jerseys, and like sportswear fashion more than I like the sports themselves. Um, and one of the all-time staples of of sportswear is, of course, the soccer kit. It's it's just like one of my favorite pieces of athletic clothing. ever. I I, I don't even know that much about soccer, but I own like two soccer jerseys just because I think they look <laughs> really cool. Like I have a sure. I have a, a PSG a a, a a PSG Mbappe jersey. Uh, and I think it looks awesome and I, <laughs> and I, 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 don't really know anything about PSG. Um, uh, so I, I agree with, as a, as a, a bit of an aficionado, I totally agree with you, uh, Will.
0: Former, uh, former guest of the show and current patron John Dulong could probably tell you a couple things about the jerseys you own.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. I'll, big, I'll, I'll have to. Big fan of the footy that
1: one. <laughs> i hopefully he'll write in next week. Um. But, yeah, you know, uh, Zimbabwe or whatever that, that African country was that had put out that just fantastic jersey last FIFA World Cup, this is not. Uh, pretty, pretty plain stuff, especially for everyone to be freaking out over them uh, like uh, the, uh, Francine was uh, – not Francine, uh, Muffy was. Uh, yeah. Not that great.
0: So, yeah, everybody's a little disappointed that uh, they won't be on the team. But Francine and Brain, you know, get to work on the All-Star team. It's pushing them harder than they've ever been pushed. But they've m- made a commitment to themselves. They made a pinky promise that they won't quit. So that's that's what we kind of keep going back to here. Um, <laughs> there was a point where the coach is talking about how um, – there was a member of the team, somebody, a kid named Jordan, who was like, "Well, Jordan's not going to be able to play with us for the rest of the year. He's got other commitments." And the I, kids I, are like, "The kids are like, other commit, like basically making the jerk off motion." Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I
1: loved the kids' indignity at other commitments. It's 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 kind of a weird moment because it, it it doesn't really play into anything else in the episode. Uh, it's just kind of kind of trying to show that like. You know, this is like the military or something. It's like you can't handle the heat, get out of the fire, right? So Jordan fell. Uh, uh, you know, he lost his nerve, uh, and he he left for other commitments. But the and kids then are, his
0: teammates, his teammates just dog him.
1: It's true. Um, I'm almost tempted. I like this moment so much. I'm almost tempted to give Jordan a character we never see, throwaway character <laughs> of the week, <laughs>
0: and,
1: and that's in an episode where there's lots of throwaway characters. Uh, but. Um, but I have a feeling we might see this coach and and the girl that was on this team again. So I think I'm giving it to Jordan. I like the idea of giving a, a – <laughs> a, a, it, 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 it's like Schrodinger's throwaway character of the week or something. Like we're not really sure if Jordan exists. Did he ever exist? What's going on with him? But, uh, yeah, congrats to Jordan and his other well, commitments. If,
0: any, if anybody's keeping track uh, of the throwaway characters of the week, uh, make your changes here. Um. So yeah, they are going to be doing uh, some away games, and it's going to be taking up a lot more of their time. In fact, Brain admits that he can't be the head of the computer club anymore. And it yeah, was at this point great, where... great
1: line delivery for Brainy, like hangs his head and he's like, "I don't have the time."
0: And 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 then he be, and then the, Mr. Ratburn's like, "I'm going to be the head of the computer." club and you know makes a joke about, you know, he's gonna take them on the information roadway and Brain's he, just like he says,
1: uh we won't gigabyte off more than we can chew. And Brain just looks at Arthur
0: just like, I'm sorry. <laughs> um but, but, and- uh,
1: Mr. Rapper this reminded me I've been rewatching uh um, the anime OVA uh, Golden Boy. Have you ever heard oh, of Golden yes. Boy? Well, yes, yes I have. Uh, it's it's I, I I watched it a really long time ago, and I don't think I fully appreciated it because it's actually like super well animated, and it's really really funny. Um, but there's a moment in Golden Boy where he like tried to teach himself how to uh, program, like do computer programming, without ever having used a computer. Um, uh and so he's like at the office and he's like he's like i love computers i love i love mainframes and i love uh circuit boards and he's just like listing computer stuff um uh, and mr Rapper sort of fumbling his way around like computer terminology reminded me of a uh, golden boy
0: um yeah and I, we speaking of anime uh this whole thing reminded me of you know when brain's talking about like he's the head of the computer club but he's also on the soccer team it reminded me of persona all this talk of clubs and sports Mm, mm, yes one of my favorite parts of the persona games um so they're going to be playing they're going to be practicing in this like downpour of rain which oliver frensky is a little bit sus about he's just like huh you would think they would call this off the your other soccer team would have done this And Francine's like, no, they wouldn't, uh, coach said he wouldn't cancel unless there was lightning, which, uh, real Vince McMahon move here. But I remember this brought back memories for me because I hated soccer. I hated playing soccer, but I had to, I played it from the when age five to 12, I want to say. And every time that we would have a practice or a game, I would just pray that it would rain. That rarely happened, but every once in a while it did get rained out and I was so happy.
1: Yeah, I too, I, I was in Timbit soccer when I was very, very, very young, and I too
0: was often relegated to the goalie
1: position, and I too uh, uh, didn't enjoy it that much. Uh,
0: and also, yeah, this weather seems really ill-advised to be playing, and it's like pouring, and they're like slipping all over the place. This is, you know, it's one thing for the kids on Friday Night Lights to like train in this kind of weather, but it's like, you know, usually when that happens, one of them gets injured, as would really, as would probably really happen. Um. Yeah, so they are really being pushed to their limits here. It's really tough. I did like, this is kind of speaking in a more general sense, I liked the focus in this episode on Francine and Brain's friendship because I feel like whenever they're the two featured characters in an episode, it's usually about how much they, not that they don't like each other, but how much they butt heads. Well, and also, this was, and
1: I feel like we've been getting quite a few episodes in a row with Francine and Brain, you know, separately as villains. Like, um, maybe not in the last episode Brayden wasn't overtly a villain but he was being difficult and then in previous episodes we've had Brayden straight up fulfill the villain role and Francine that's a role they often go back to having her as, as being like the mean one or the, the cause of some sort of conflict so it was nice to see them as protagonists again um, um, and also working to both their strengths you know Francine I always like these kind of athletic stories with Francine because I think it brings up kind of the best of her character rather mm. than the, the negative aspects which they go to when they need to um so yeah this was refreshing
0: uh yeah and i appreciated that in this episode you get the idea that they are athletic equals that want to push each other which is where the whole thing with their pinky promise comes in it's like we're not going to quit and they really want to strive to be their best that's the whole thing is that they want to be their best which they felt like they couldn't be uh in on the lakewood team so because of a um i forget exactly how this comes by but like the essentially the all-stars are going to face the lakewood team which the all-stars are just like yeah yeah we'll have to put in way more practices for this one and because two of the lakewood team don't show up brain and francine have to play on the team um against so it's the all-stars Uh, Minus Brain and Francine versus the Lakewood team which they do their best and we get the differences here of the way the teams are treated like we see how the uh, the all-stars like really chastise themselves for every mistake but where versus the Lakewood team which is very supportive of each other.
1: Yeah, and, and I loved this. This is classic kids' sports movie. Bad News Bears, Sandlot, you know, the the rich team with the nice new shiny uniforms gets defeated by the power of good sportsmanship and friendship. This is just classic good stuff. And, and it's got one of my favorite types of conclusions to this game, which is that, and I love this, um, I think it would be kind of a cop-out just to have the Elwood City team... Um, sort of having the, the uh, you know Arthur and Buster's team just beat the All-Stars I think that would be a little bit too much of a kind of a neat and tidy end of this game and so I thought it was a really good um, just good writing that Sort of, they didn't win the the game, but it was a, a big enough win to them to have scored goals on the All Stars and to have been competitive, um, and and that's and because they're kind of more of a casual team, you know, that was a big enough win for celebration and to have pizza and all that jazz. And so, I thought that was really well done.
0: Um. Okay, Uh, we'll get into this a bit later. This is um, so we're we're getting close to wrapping up the situation here of just like, you know, we see the differences in the teams and how they treat each other. And, of course, after the game, Mr. Crosswire uh, gives them pizza and ice cream for a job well done. The important thing is that they had fun. And then Francine and Brain kind of they come they come to an understanding here. Like both of them have been kind of like, you know, it's like uh, I don't want to quit the team. Do you? And it's kind of like an, if I if you quit, then I'll quit, but neither of them want to say that they do. So instead, they kind of um, rhetoric their way around it by essentially saying that, you know, if they quit the All-Stars, that's renewing dedication to a previous commitment that they had of not quitting the Lakewood team.
1: Yeah, they turn into lawyers at the end of this episode.
0: Yeah, to which I was like, uh, okay. Like, and, and,
1: do- and then Mr. Crosswater, like, turns to the camera it kind of gives the moral to the camera and that sometimes, sometimes not quitting is not quitting, or sometimes what is Some, it?
0: Sometimes, sometimes when you win, you quit, and sometimes when you quit, you win.
1: Right, which I like is not necessarily incorrect. And I see what the, the, the I see the kind of moral that they're trying to put forward in this episode. Maybe we'll talk about this a little bit more when we're we're going over how we feel about it. Like I think the episode is about you know there's don't push yourself for the sake of pushing yourself if you're not enjoying something is real the moral of the story. And to a lesser extent, um, you know they want to be with their friends, which is always kind of a, a, a general Arthur thing. But to sum that up, with sometimes when you quit you win, and sometimes you win when you quit or what have you. It's a really weird kind of way to try and wrap all this up.
0: Well, and they send it home a little strangely too cuz like they they all all three of them just kind of look at each other just like okay, wh- what okay, whatever you say, man. And like none of them really believe it, not even Mr. Crosswire. So, this was this was one of the only episodes where I've actually written down my feelings about it, but I'm going to save that for the end of the episode when we talk about it. But yeah, it's it's uh, so I wanted to make sure that I got everything represented, but I have feelings about this one which we're gonna get into uh after we talk about the second half of this arthur episode which will be right after this this podcast is supported by listeners like you and here's how over on our social networks you can follow us and find the latest updates and some fun photos facebook.com slash elwood city limits at ecl podcast on twitter elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com and elwoodcitylimits on Instagram. You can support us monetarily by going over to patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. If you become a patron for as little as a dollar a month, you get access to exclusive audio content like our new PBS Kids show, movie reviews, and sneak previews of upcoming content support us as well by going to teespring.com stores slash Elwood city limits dash store or search Elwood City Limits on Teespring. Buy yourself a t-shirt, a tank top, or a hoodie with the Elwood City Limits logo or an exclusive design by our friend Josh. Elwood City Limits is available online at libsyn.com Elwood City Limits where you can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast apps. Is it not on your favorite app? Let us know and you can always help us by spreading the word, tell your friends, and send Send us a message either on social media or an email limits at gmail.com thank you so much for your continued support and now let's get back to the show okay so it's emily swallows a horse and wouldn't you know it we're starting off with the old lady who swallowed a fly nursery rhyme at uh, dw's preschool which i didn't realize this song's really morbid
1: so a couple of things about, I, I wasn't actually that familiar with the little old lady swallow to Fly uh, song. But seeing it done, well, now that you describe it as a nursery rhyme, it's a little bit more familiar. But seeing it done with instrumentation as a song reminded me of a far superior, less morbid, more wholesome, uh, and of course culturally important to us song, Will. And that song is The Ratlin' Bog.
0: You love the Rattlin
1: Bog. I love the Rattlin Bog. I mean it, the bog's down in the Valley hole Valio uh, will and let me tell you something we get downright microscopic with sort of the 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 fauna and the flora of the Rattlin Bog, right? There's a tree in the bog on a hill in the bog, okay? And there's yeah. like, there's a bump on the log and there's a, a bird on the tree and an, an egg in a nest in the nest. There's, th- th- there's two birds, by the way, not only is there a bird, there's a bird on an egg and an egg in the nest. And then there's a bird in the egg. Okay. Um, and then it just keeps going and not only does it just keep going. And this is one thing that the, um, the, the old lady swallowed a fly song is missing. The buys keep making it go faster too. They speed it up buys. The buys, they, they, they're speeding it up to the point where they're barely enunciating. Um, when they're talking about egg, egg, bird, bird, nest, nest, tree, tree, branch, branch. Listen, I don't know if the Ratlin Bog is as much of a cultural touchstone for our American listeners, but if you, I always love to do kind of a, a cultural exchange. Please do yourself a favor and look up uh, the Ratlin Bog.
0: I think the equivalent that some people might have is uh, the hole at the bottom of the sea. Yes. Which, is, which has kind of a similar conceit. But the old lady who swallowed a fly, the, see, I see, I most know this from the movie The Fly, because J- that's something that Jeff Goldblum kind of says to himself, just, I know an old lady who swallowed a fly, perhaps she'll die. And like, well, that's it's literally, Jeff Jeff Goldblum. well, and it's, uh, like, they go through that part and they have the kids gleefully singing, like, see, it's like, because at the end, it's like, she swallowed this to swallow, because, to get like, to do this, to do this, and it's like, an old, old lady who swallowed a fly, perhaps she'll die, and I'm like, what, ah, ah, what? Yeah. It's just, it just seemed weird for four-year-olds to be singing, you know? Yeah, when they, when when they
1: say, um, she swallowed a horse, and what happened next, the kids all gleefully exclaim, she died, of course. She
0: died, of course, that was the other one, and man. And
1: they, they all laughed, this is a fun, this was actually kind of a fun moment to open up the episode with how kind of surreal and like black humor it was because like they all the kids go she died of course and all start like rolling around and laughing and we just see emily's shocked and confused face
0: is really troubled by this yes and so and so emily is trying to uh neil degrasse tyson her way out of this by just being like well why would she (laughs) swallow all these why she's trying to suck all the fun out of it is what i'm saying by um by like trying to like well why would she swallow the why would she swallow a fly that's gross and just like (laughs) man thinking about this too much and uh (laughs) i i forget what get do you remember what makes the tibble start fighting it's something really innocuous
1: Oh no, I, I don't remember But uh, what I do oh, but oh, oh, oh. One of the Tibbles claims that they would eat a fly if it was covered with chocolate, and wh- then the other one calls them on the bluff and then they start a physical altercation.
0: <laughs> and then DW I loved this. DW just takes her nap blanket and drapes it over them and continues talking to Emily. I thought that was hilarious. Oh,
1: I wrote down DW is in rare form this whole episode. Um it's oh, one of dude. those things where um, it's like in, in the old DW episodes where we see Arthur as like a side character. Uh, and, and it's really, really fun because you're like, hey, that's Arthur, and he like gets one little moment, and, and it almost brings out the best in his character. It reminds me of, this is a little bit of an aside, so stay with me here. But <laughs> So in Metal Gear Solid 2, well, spoilers for Metal <laughs> Gear Solid 2, but in Metal Gear Solid 2, you pr- predominantly play as Raiden instead of Solid Snake, and at first people were really disappointed because everybody loves Solid Snake.
0: Well, but when, well Ra- Raiden's, Raiden's in Mortal Kombat.
1: Raiden's in Metal Gear excuse Solid. Excuse me, 2. excuse me, excuse me. Yes, yes, uh, uh of course. Um, he plays Ryden, But um, when Hideo Kojima explains this, and I love his explanation, I think about it all the time because it really makes sense. When the player is inhabiting Solid Snake... Um, you don't fully kind of appreciate the character, right? Because you kind of are putting yourself. But when you see Solid Snake show up and he becomes special, you're like, hey, that's Solid Snake. And you learn to appreciate the character more. So seeing D.W. kind of being this side character in the story, um, she's in just rare form this episode. So she puts the blanket on the tibbles. um, And then after that amazing line, she goes, people do all sorts of strange things for no reason at all. Look at those guys. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so this kind of stays in Emily's mind as we begin the actual episode, it's all about how DW finds a shiny bouncy ball in the sandbox and she thinks, oh it's a neat, neat shiny bouncy ball and uh, she wants to, she wants to keep it and she kind of scuffles with the tibbles to keep it for a little bit and then it ends up in Emily's hands and Emily tells her first lie of just like, oh it's actually mine. Uh, I dropped it there earlier, and this is where it begins to spiral. Of uh, she, uh, she says, Mary... Hang on, i got to do a bit of a run-up to this. mary oh. uh brought brought it back for, for me from France, and DW's like, oh, okay, well then maybe she has another one for me that she brought back, and then one lie begins to beget another, and that's kind of the idea of where this episode goes. That's
1: right. I, I, one thing I was not expecting, well was to have an episode of Arthur starring Emily that channels the same energy as the Safety brothers, uncut gems <laughs> in terms of just like, <laughs> if you give a mouse a cookie logic of just lie after lie and, and Emily at her wits end.
0: <laughs> Emily swallows uncut gems.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, so yes, she, she says, you know, Oh, well maybe. And then Emily needs to get out of this situation immediately. So when they're waiting for their pickups at the end of the day, um, Emily's like N- um you know don't wait around for for helene DW she's very sick and DW is thwarted for a little bit because uh this was cool mom apparently has a yoga class in 15 minutes which mom reed being mom reed and doing yoga man that's goals right there
1: it's true my mom is a big a big yoga person so i was like ah it's just like my mom <laughs>
0: Uh, so, later on that day, uh, Marie-Hélène and Emily are watching a soap prop on the TV. By the way, did you take a look at the pie they're eating? No, I did, I did not notice this. This is, oh, this is strange. Like, I think it's pecan pie. Like, I think that's what it's going for. But what it looks like is, um, you you might have to help me here. Do you know the type of sushi where it's, like, a long piece of orange fish with like a black bit oh, of seaweed.
1: Oh or- oh oh my god! I feel so foolish. This is uh, or
0: or uh, uh sorry, or a or or Anyway, it looks like that on a pie crust, and I kept looking at him like, this doesn't look like a pie. It looks like fish on a crust. This looks <laughs> really really gross, um, and. So DW and the Tibbles come over to see if marie Allen is really nigiri, sick. Nigiri, nigiri. Nigiri, thank you. Uh, yeah, it looks like a bunch of nigiri on a pie crust. And Emily mm. says she is really sick. I she miss, has.
1: <laughs> I miss sushi. I'm looking at these pictures of sushi, Will, and I'm like, oh.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, Emily says that uh, Marie-Hélène has halitosis, and it's incredibly contagious, and they can't come in. Um, and she actually does a real pro liar move here. She's like, you know, lets them in, but is like, Oh, come on in. If you want, just try not to breathe too much. <laughs> the, the Tibbles are immediately freaked out by this. Oh, of course they're as gullible as a day is long. Uh, and one of them grabs flowers from Emily's flower, but Is like, get well soon and runs away. <laughs> DW is not so sure, In fact, Arthur, meme alert here, when Emily closes the front door, we get Shady DW.
1: Oh, so again, Shady DW, this is what I'm talking about when DW is in rare form this episode. The next uh, sequence of events is like some of my favorite DW content. Like DW in the role of like uh, just a creep. She's like Robert De Niro's character from like Cape Fear or something. The way she's like <laughs> looking through the
0: windows
1: at Emily. I loved this.
0: I'm gonna visit your family. I'm gonna pay them a visit. They ain't never gonna forget. I see you with that ice cream and that pecan pie. <laughs> yeah, just uh yeah, she she spots Emily uh, putting ice cream on their pecan pie. And uh <laughs> yeah, she's like peeping around in the in the garden, but in the in the backyard, I should say. It's really funny. Uh, so D.W. is determined to figure out if Melia Len is really sick or not. She sees her at the grocery store later uh, when she's there with uh, Mom, Kate, and Arthur, but uh, isn't able to catch her in the act, so to speak. Um, so Emily also had to pretend that she was sick with halitosis. So when she's back at school the next day, she's like, oh, yeah, I took some medicine and got better. Uh, and D.W. is not at all convinced. Um Essentially, uh, this is actually kind of kind of cute. This is going on in the background throughout this episode. But you know, we were talking about how we we like how Brain and Francine's friendship is portrayed in this episode, and then we also see D.W. and James being a more regular pair. Uh, when D.W. finds the bouncy ball, she's being pushed on the swing by James, and then like collides with him in order to stop the swing. And then uh, when DW, like, storms away from Emily in a huff, she sits down with James, and James looks really pleased when DW sits with him.
1: Yeah, that's just, like, a nice, wholesome friendship. I I appreciate that as well, and I I, I hope we see more from James. I think there's, there's an opportunity to kind of expand on James as a character.
0: Me too. Uh, so, uh, Mom Reed calls Emily's mom that day uh, and is also like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that uh, Marie-Helene is sick, and... Emily is like can, has to continue to build up this lie and has to hang up on Mom Reed so that her mom won't give her, <laughs> give her away. Again, this is this is this episode's version of I want my money, Howard. Where's my <laughs> money, Howard?
1: I'll you get you fun? the money. I'll, you get yeah, having fun, Howard. Oh, yeah, this is essentially Bob Reed calling uh, uh, Emily on her bluff and saying, I heard you resurfaced your swimming pool.
0: <laughs> this can is you, a really can, good cat.
1: Can you imagine how that makes me feel? <laughs>
0: I really like that you picked up on this. Um, So Emily is real, like, bent up about this. So she goes to bed, and she has a dream where she is riding away on a horse from a giant-sized DW who seems to be, like, dressed like Paul Bunyan or something.
1: This was a dive into classic seasons one to three Arthur dream sequence surrealism. I feel like we've gotten away from this. Like, I feel like now when we talk about an Arthur being weird, it's more so tonally or more so for weird storytelling choices. I really, really missed, uh, and I didn't realize how much I missed it until I saw this, old school fever dream arthur uh yeah and, and this delivered this was this was classic you know remember arthur being in like the torture judge and all that stuff or being like yeah digested like by an, the it, clam the... or the long arm of or... the law
0: yeah those are some good ones those are some good arthur memories yeah. But yeah you're right this is kind of calling back to that because it's emily you know in kind of this fairy tale setting on a horse a horse who can talk being pursued by a giant dw um but uh, what I love about this is I love a good horse voice. So the, hor- <laughs> the horse, like we say, is talking, and Emily's like, "Oh no, we have to go faster!" And he's like, oh, "I'm going as fast as I can." And I'm like, "Oh man, I love it! I love horse voices. They're so dumb uh, because they always have to like incorporate the horse whinny yeah. like into their speech, which is just really <laughs> silly and funny to me." Uh, so she does manage to get away. <laughs> your, and- your
1: horse voice kind of sounds—it sounds like Bill Clinton. <laughs> Hillary, I'm trying as hard as I can.
0: <laughs> I got this Warren coast of all going on, <laughs> Hillary. <laughs> Not at all what I want. But I was thinking. But all right, I'll I'll run with it. Anyway, uh, horse Bill Clinton over here takes her to the house of the woman who swallowed a fly, and it actually turns out at least in Emily's dream. That the woman who swallowed a fly never actually swallowed any of those animals. It was just a lie that kinda got out of control. By the way, when they get into the house, the horse sitting on the stool, like cross-legged, very funny. <laughs> I thought that was a great visual gag. <laughs> and then eventually DW bursts through the roof and finds and finds Emily. And we're not really sure exactly what she's gonna do with her. Uh I mean, than, we you know, we do
1: have this sequence, this bizarre again, this whole dream is, like, something out of that that Arthur Death Grips AMV. I feel like we need to make a, yeah. a, a new updated one. Again, it, it's this tier. So when she's uh, revealing the plates, like, she's taking off... I, what are those called? That, like, little cover of a meal, oh, of a fancy like, meal? L-
0: like, serving plates?
1: Yeah, yeah. So she's got all those, like, serving covers, and it's, like, this bait-and-switch of, like, oh, my God, she did eat these things, but it's kind of, like, her little joke. But so she's raising it, and then it's, like, flies, and then she's raising it, and there's, like, a goat, like, on this table. And, like, this is just, again, one of these classic Arthur classic Arthur surrealist sequences where I would love to show someone a clip of this, no audio, out of context, and ask them, what do you think's going on here, this Arthur episode? <laughs>
0: um yeah exactly and at and then at the end of this all the old lady is just like well actually maybe i will swallow a horse in terms of like eating the horse and the horse is like oh no that was a bit elvis that one was um so uh, this is kind of what convinces emily to come clean about her lie i i should also mention a part of the lie that i neglected to say is that um, she's covering. She covers up earlier that DW saw Marie Ellen at the grocery store by saying that that was her twin Ellen Marie, who has uh, come to do her job while her while her twin sister is sick. So she has to like admit that 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 wasn't true, and she just wanted it. She just made it up because she really wanted that shiny silver that shiny ball. And I love this. Timmy offers. This? He's like, I,
1: I was full on. Um, you know that emoji with the watery eyes? Yes. This was full on watery eyes. This was the most wholesome Tibble Twins moment. Maybe not since the episode where one of the Tibble Twins was sick. Uh, we've gotten some wholesome Tibble Twins moments before, but this was amazing. Friggin' Tommy pulls out the bandanas that they had made for Mary Ellen and Ellen Marie to be like, oh, so it's so people could tell them apart, and it's the same as Tibby and Tommy's bandanas.
0: Yeah, it was really sweet, and I and it was really it was funny too. Like I thought that was a funny gag, but yeah, no, that was actually really nice of them. And then it turns out that like you know DW is just like, well, if you wanted it that bad, like here you go. like or well Emily gives her back the ball. I should say, and DW tries to bounce it. It's like it's not even that bouncy anymore. This like really wasn't worth it. And then they go back to being friends, obviously. But it is the the lesson here just being like you know if you if you lie about. Like, a lie becomes another lie, and then in the end, it's not really worth it to just pile on lies like this. And at the very, very end, James finds the ball and pockets it. So it really it really wasn't worth it in that sense. All right, let's rewind it here. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on the A-Team, Lucas.
1: So I was all ready to be, like, gung-ho for the A-Team. Like, I actually really enjoyed the episode, the majority of the episode, like 99%. The last minute of the A-team is, like, bizarre. I I get the feeling that they just didn't know how to end the episode. Um, Because it was really working for me up until that point. I liked, you know, having Francine and the brain. Um, I thought that this was kind of, again, a throwback to kind of seasons one to three episodes of having kind of a nuanced moral. Like, oh, I, I, I was interpreting it where it was going as the moral was, you know, sometimes working hard or challenging yourself for the sake of challenging yourself, um, if you're unhappy, isn't necessarily worth it, right? Like, sometimes it's it's you need to know when to quit, and it's not good to burn yourself out just because you think it's the right thing to do, which is a fairly nuanced moral for a kid's show. Um, but then we kind of get this weird conclusion with them saying, uh, you know, legalese, we're not technically quitting if we quit this new team to go back to the old team. And then we get that odd line from uh, uh, Mr. Crosswire about winning is sometimes you win when you quit. So that was kind of a weird ending to it. But up until that point, um, and I feel like you, you feel a little bit differently about it, I, I was kind of all for the episode. What about you?
0: What did you think? So I appreciated parts of it. Like I, like I think... If, if you were kind of listening to the way I was talking about it, um, it was that I appreciated how it focused in on Francine and Brain being friends, which I feel like is not something that we get to see from them. It's a dynamic that's not explored because, like, we've had previous episodes of them playing soccer and the whole thing is like, oh, they don't like each other because they're so competitive or, um, yeah, they, or they're just... Um, not friends anymore and stuff like this. So I appreciated that this was a little bit of a change, but this is, like I said, I wrote, I, this is the first, maybe the first time I've written down. I think the only other time I can think of was the episode about Arthur being fat, quote unquote, where I like wrote down my thoughts on this. And I, I don't feel as like intensely as I did about this, about that one, but I did have some thoughts to just get them down. Uh, so I have mixed feelings about this episode. I think there's a good message in here about knowing your limits and putting fun first in athletic endeavors, which is what they were doing during the, like, the game between Lakewood and the All-Stars because Lakewood was seen as a very like, they're not the best team, but they're very supportive and encouraging. But the All-Stars are very much focused on being the best. The thing is, is that I don't think the All-Stars team were really made to be explicitly wrong in their approach or even like, that bad like obviously they were talking about the team member behind their back and kind of like making fun of the Lakewood team but it was they're kind of portrayed as like well the biggest flaw is that they want to be the best and it's like okay that's just kind of I feel like that's value neutral almost. Like the like I said liquid team made to be very supportive and encouraging but then it made me think like with Francine on the team we've seen that that isn't always true you know what I mean like ah even even in this you're e- right even in this ep- even in this episode Francine's like y'all a bunch of clowns
1: I, I see like, I see what you're saying they're kind of retconning what we know about the Elwood city the the actual original Elwood city team um in service of the episode I see what you're
0: saying. And so I, fe- I felt it rang a little hollow, and then in the end, the message that was communicated to me was, I took it as, try new things, unless they're hard, in which case quit if you want to.
1: Which <laughs> I, is like,
0: which is fine, I guess. Like, I, yeah, I, I see, all, I,
1: I, 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 I think that is the issue with the episode, is that, like... I hope that that's not the message, because I, I and it, it, and if I think the 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 major problem is whatever the message is, it was communicated poorly in the end, right? Like the yes. fact that we yeah. kind of have these two different interpretations of the episode is that they they didn't stick the landing, um, because it's kind of hard to parse out what it's trying to say, especially when when you have a character deliver. Uh, uh, sort of a line that's supposed to tie up your episode straight into the camera, and me and you are both kind of confused about what it was trying to say, that is kind of a failing of the
0: episode. Um I think the episode itself was confused about what it was trying to say. Though, but though, yeah, though like- I do,
1: I, I I, think that's really interesting what you said about, I think we have more context. Like, if, if you were watching this episode out of context, and I think that's how I was kind of seeing it, was, okay, this episode is kind of like, what if Arthur was a... a, a like an 80s kids sports movie, right? Like, let's take the Arthur characters and throw them into that setting because it follows the trajectory kind of to a T of something like uh, uh, Bad News Bears, for instance, right? The problem is... Um, it, it what we know and you pointed this out I'm only coming to this now the problem is is that it doesn't work like that because of what we know about how the team dynamic already is right like you said we kind of already have Francine putting pressure on the rest of the team and this weird competitive nature I mean in the episode where Mr. Crosswire is introduced as their new coach is it the implication is that he's kind of like a hard, like he's driving them really hard and stuff. And that's why they're kind of uncomfortable with him. Cause they have that really relaxed, like the stoner teenager coach beforehand. Um, and so they're kind of trying to, uh, they're trying to turn that on its head in this episode and saying, oh, you know, Mr. Crosswire is this really supportive, easy on the kids coach. And it's, it's the, the all-stars coach that's really the hard driver,
0: right? Well, I think it was that in that episode you're talking about, it was that he had a strange approach like his approach was weird, but he kind of got results. So that's that's kind of where I t- where I took that as. But I, I know I know what you're I know what you're talking about. Anyway, I think you're right in that didn't stick the landing is kind of what's what speaks to me about this. It's not it's not bad. It's just,
1: uh, yeah. I think. It, uh, would you say it was I think it's an entertaining episode.
0: I, yeah, I think it's all right. It's just like I. <laughs> the am stuff all with for- Mr.
1: Rapper at the computers is probably the best stuff. In yeah, all honesty. actually
0: usually it usually is um i don't have a lot to say about emily swallows a horse other than like i had fun talking about it it's a pretty harmless episode i feel like we've done the whole you know lying is bad thing it's pretty simplistic as a lot of these dw focused episodes tend to be which i imagine they're written for younger kids in mind so that's fine uh but you're right I, I i like how you brought up you know the the dream imagery that we don't get much anymore this one is a little bit weirder than than we're used to and so it was a ni- nice little jolt i wouldn't say it, it's it's great or anything but uh it was pretty fun em- uh, emily I, I em- said
1: emily swallows a horse is is definitely one of those episodes and i think it's been a while since we've had one of these where when i'm watching it i don't really feel some type of way about it very middle of the road but in talking about it i've fallen in love with emily swallows a horse. Uh, okay. I mean, I, I have. I think I have yet to like any sort of Emily episode whatsoever. I don't really like Emily as a character, and I feel like that's not because of you know me. I think that's just because the writers haven't given us a reason to kind of like Emily. It's the way she says her uh, uh, caretaker's name, man. It's so brutal every time the <laughs> the <laughs> inflection she puts on eh, Marie. Eh, it's it's brutal. But um, this is by far the most I've enjoyed. An Emily episode I, I I was you know what I I'll go as far as to say that I, I did really like this one um, not for any sort of deeper reason not to look too much into it I just think it's really funny like there's great moments from the Tibbles uh, great moments from DW um, even some funny laughs from Emily herself and of course there's that whole dream sequence at the end and I, I now I can't help but look through it at as this like this third secret Safdie brothers film after good time and, and uncut gems Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's nothing, you you know, it's not going to get its way to the annals of my favorite Arthur episodes anytime soon, but in talking about it, I'm like, ah, actually, I, 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 I'm pretty fond of Emily Swallows a Horse. I'm not going to, I'll I'll certainly not forget some of the imagery in Emily Swallows a Horse anytime soon.
0: If it were a Safdie Brothers movie, who would play Emily?
1: Ooh, Ooh. we got to get Julia Fox back.
0: Okay. Yeah, no, I'm for that. Yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah, I, I'm, we're getting close to the end of season nine here and I'm hoping that there's a, that there's a good push at the end here because I think, I feel like we had a few listeners like kind of build this one up for us and I don't know if it's gotten me there yet. So, but I'm hopeful we've still got a couple of episodes left to go and we will cover those very soon here on ECL. But if you're, uh, if you're curious why our episodes have staggered, it's because we have uh, begun a new show over on our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/ElwoodCityLimits. It's called For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, and we've had some re—we've had a lot of fun talking about the other shows that have been broadcast on PBS Kids, and we're gonna have, I think, a whale of a time discussing our episode next week. Which, Lucas, what are we talking about? Uh, oh, geez, I, I. We're talking about Redwall. Yeah. Hell yeah, we are. Did you
1: hear about, not to get too dark, but did you hear about how um, in New York, the rats are going to war with each other? What? Yeah, it's because of, well, it's because of COVID. No one's on the streets, so there's less garbage and, like, food for them to eat. So um, the huge rat population in New York, the rats are, uh, apparently, I forget what the term is for someone who studies rats, like a ratologist or whatever. Yeah, They're saying that the rats in New York are, like, uh, they're they're like in a war right now. Like they're going to war with each other and committing cannibalism and stuff. A little bit dark, but also interesting to think about. You know, it's kind of like Redwall's happening in the streets of New York right now. The Abbey. I, get,
0: I guess so, man. I like. I'm I'm really stoked to to check out the show, and uh, we're gonna be talking about it and the history of Redwall on the next episode of For the Kids which is going to be out for patrons only next week but then in two weeks we will be back with another episode of ECL to keep you company and thank you to all of our new patrons who have signed up we love making this new content for you and we also love making content for you the non-patron but the listener and we value you all equally and we're going to do our best for each and every one of you Uh, and next time on ECL we'll be talking about DW Beats All and Buster the Myth Maker
1: Ooh, all right. Uh, I like the sound of both of those.
0: Yeah, we might be getting back into some InfoWars buster here. So until we get to that one, my name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... I do. So do you. Everyone does. We'll see you next time.